This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church, and I said, i got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the Kansas City. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good cook. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. And this is the best sports station in the country, Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. And we get into topics on this show about your mindset, about your attitude, about focus, about sportsmanship. How can you be the very best you want to be? That's what we get into on this show. I've been a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area for 37 years. And this is my 27th year on radio, my 17th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I love doing this show with you every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 as we get into discussions about your mind, about how it works, about how does that affect your performance on and off the athletic field. You know, we talk about sports, sports psychology here, but really what we talk about is life because the things we discuss on this show affect us as people, affect us as individuals, as parents, as coaches, as as athletes, as officials. And, you know, the reason I do this show is to help you deal with the mental side. You know, typical sports talk shows talk about factual things they get into discussions that pry into athletes lives and try to find out a lot of things about why they do the things they do and this show we explain that and having worked with athletes for 37 years I've been very fortunate to have worked with so many great people I've been the team psychologist with the Royals I was KU's first sports psychologist I was the Olympic cycling team psychologist for eight years and got to participate in the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984, where we won nine medals, the first medals we had won in 72 years. And uh, I also got to work with the team at three world championships, one in Switzerland, one in Italy, and one in Colorado. And quite frankly, those experiences have helped me so much in my career, understanding what it takes to be the very best, because these young men and women were world ch- world champions. I mean, I... I, I was around several of them, and I saw how they functioned, how they dealt with things, and it's interesting because working with the Olympic team, which we've got the Winter Olympics just starting here at the end of next week, and the pressures that these young men and women have exceed that of most of us because they're on the world stage. They, they know that the entire world is watching what they're doing if they're interested in that sport and that, in that event. and But they have to block that out. They have to block that out because they have to focus on their task. And I was very fortunate with our cycling team to accompany them to the Olympics and three world championships and watch how these young men and women performed. And, and so many of them came in first. It was, it was amazing to watch a lot of these people accomplish their goals. And in 1983 in Switzerland, the World Championships on the track, there was an event called the Individual Pursuit. And basically what it is, is where two cyclists start on opposite sides of the track and chase each other around. And for men, it's 12 laps. I can't recall how many laps it is for women. But the final was, for the women, pitted two Americans. Connie Carpenter, who eventually became Connie Carpenter Finney, married Davis Finney, who was a great cyclist. Who They now have a a son named Taylor Finney, who's been a a champion cyclist himself. But Connie was racing against another American named Cindy Olivari. And I recall watching them warm up. 
And I had talked to both of them. I spent a lot of time talking with Cindy, not as much with Connie. She was very experienced in what she was doing and quite frankly had it had it together and had it down. And I back then I took slides. You know, now we we have our cell phone cameras. Back then I took slides and I have a slide of Connie warming up on rollers where cyclists, if you don't know much about cycling, when they get warmed up, they can't ride around the track because there are other events going on, they'll ride on rollers in place. And Connie was warming up riding, and I, I have this picture of her, and it, it's a beautiful picture because in the background is this pink, purplish sunset over the stands. But her focus was only on what was internal. And I could tell she was visualizing. And after the race, which she ended up winning, and she and Cindy were neck and neck, and at the end of the race, what Connie did was she stood up off the saddle and thrust her handlebars forward and won the race, barely beating Cindy on opposite sides of the track where they finished. So afterwards, I talked to her, and I said, you know, I was watching a warm-up, and I could tell you're in the zone. And she said, totally. She's a wonderful person. And she, and she said, I was visualizing myself having to throw, throw my bike across the finish line, get out of the saddle and throw it with my handlebars across the finish line. Because I knew Cindy's a tough competitor and I knew we'd be close. And I visualized that. And that's exactly what she did. And it was interesting to watch that because she also did that a year later in the Los Angeles Olympics in the first event of the entire Olympics was the women's cycling road race and she did the same thing beating teammate Rebecca Twig by throwing her bike across the finish line getting out of the saddle and throwing her handlebars pushing him ahead visualization she said was a key component to her success and as I watched so many events I, I've had the privilege to watch with the Royals back in the, in 89, 90 when I worked with them and then subsequently for several years, a few years ago. But I got to be around Bo Jackson, George Brett, Frank White, Willie Wilson, Brett Saberhagen, Jeff Montgomery, Mark Gubas, all these guys. I got to see how they played. I got to see how they functioned under pressure. And for years, Tom Gordon worked with me. Uh, that's well known. He worked with me for 20 years during his career. He had the major league record for 54 consecutive saves. My former co-host, Nick Lowry, worked with me for 14 years. Both of them were very successful in their sport because we, we focused a lot on visualization. We focused a lot on self-focus. Being that the Super Bowl is today, the pressure to play in these games is immense. The pressure out for these athletes and coaches and team personnel is very strong. You know, you win the Super Bowl, you're a hero. You lose, sometimes you can be a goat. If you don't come in first place, what's wrong? Well, you know, both of these teams are champions. Both of these teams are winners. In sport, we always define winning and losing by the result at the end of the game, at the end of the, the competition. But too often, I think we don't take enough time to define winning by the effort and the intensity you put into it. Yes, the team that comes in first place is the winner. They won the contest. But you can be a winner just by participating and getting to that situation. Whoever loses this game today is a winner. They may have lost the game, but they're still winners. They won their, their conference. They accomplished a lot of goals. And let's face it, outside of the New England area, most people are probably pulling for the Eagles today. Their head coach is a former Andy Reid assistant, Doug Peterson. Just uh, had a new client the other day, said they were neighbors with him. They said he couldn't be a nicer guy. Really enjoyed when he was here. He's the quarterback coach with the Chiefs. So the pressure to perform. You know, what is pressure? It's, it's, it's physical force exerted on or against an object by something in contact with it. The use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. The use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. So today I want to talk about pressure. How do you handle pressure? What is pressure for you? I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. 
So let's talk about pressure today. Do you, under pressure, perform better or worse? Is pressure a turn-on or a turn-off for you? I'm here every Sunday with my producer, Rudy Salazar. He's wide awake, ready to take your calls, ready to answer the phone. He's in there begging me to get people to call in because he's bored sitting there looking at me. Our number is 913-3810-810. As a coach, how do you talk to your team, work with your athletes regarding pressure situations? And what is pressure for you? How do you get your athletes to work through the pressure of the big game? Is the big game... Does the big game, the big contest, the big event cause so much pressure that anxiety, nerves, tension come out and you don't perform well? I had a new client in this week who's a tennis player, very, very successful tennis player, but she said when she gets out on the court in big competitions, she gets tight because she starts to think too much. And then she starts to think too much about negative stuff when she screws up. Negativity. Negative thoughts. Pressure can bring that on. As I said, pressure, the definition I'm looking up here is the use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. So is pressure good? Is pressure in sports good? Is it good to feel that way? Yes, it is. Because I think it can challenge you to focus better challenge you to be more intense but everybody has to understand their limitations everyone has a breaking point everybody has a point where too much pressure becomes as I call it too much stress becomes distress we all need stress to get up every day it helps motivate us and push us but too much pressure too much stress can push us over the edge all right I want to hear from you if you're a coach you know the way this show always works here at the beginning of the show, we don't get very many calls, if any. And then by the time we get to the last 20 minutes, we get several. So now's your chance to call. And I want to get a conversation going. If you're a coach, how do you coach your athletes in the big pressure game? How do you deal with pressure with them? What do you say to them? What do you teach them? What do you discuss? Do you make the big game a bigger game than the other games? Because of the meaning of that game. You know... The Chiefs play 16 games during the year. Every game means the same. Every game is a game in the statistics. But as the season winds down, you have to win certain games to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. Then the pressure becomes bigger. So as a coach, how do you handle that big game? Do you put more of an emphasis on it, or do you just try to handle it like everything else? Our number is 913-3810-810. As an athlete... When the game is on the line, your match is on the line, your competition is on the line, does the pressure get to you? Do you see, what happens, to, and I have found this over the years, is that athletes, coaches, will start to think too much when the result of the competition gets in their head. And you start thinking too much about the result, you start focusing too much on, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and then you can get physically tense, and then everything falls apart. All right, our number is 913-3810-810. I'd like to hear from you. How do you define pressure? How do you coach it? How do you work with it? We have our first brave caller of the morning. Let's see what Mitchell has to say. Mitchell, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. How are you today? Good, good. Hey, I just had a quick question. Uh, what do you think uh, Coach Earlywine's approach was, the, the former Mizzou softball coach, in regards to uh, coaching his players up and how they responded to pressure. And I'll just listen to your well, Wait, wait, who, who are you talking about? The softball coach of Mizzou that was uh, let go here in the last week or two. I, You know, I don't know anything about that. Tell me what happened there. Okay. Um, I know that uh, he was let go, and supposedly it was because he was too harsh on his players. And uh, that's not really all I know. I don't know any details or anything, but... Too harsh in terms of being verbally too harsh on them, berating them, insulting them, to grab me. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, those things of that nature. 
Well, okay, let's let's just deal with that first of all, that whole issue, and stay on the line with me because, like I said, I don't, I, I, I'm unfortunately have not heard about that. Um, I think the job of a coach, and we talk about this in our book, just let him play. A job of a coach is one of many hats. You're a guide, you're a mentor, you're a disciplinarian, you're an instructor, you're a psychologist. And I was uh, just on headline news this past week with uh, Michaela. That she does an afternoon show. They interviewed me about the scenario with the USA Gymnastics situation. And we talked about coaching, and we talked about leadership, and we talked about mentors. And I think it's really important for a coach to, un- you know, a coach has to be, first and foremost to me, Mitchell, a coach has to be a psychologist. Okay? And if you start to go over the if you start to go over the edge, then it becomes about your ego. And I always like to say a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. So if this guy was let go because he was too harsh, then obviously his ego got involved. Obviously there were issues. And see, I just had a situation yesterday. I see a lot of clients on Saturday. I had a high school basketball player who came in. There's a situation with, with her coach with some of the players. And I said, you guys need to have a team meeting and talk about this. So if you have a situation where a coach goes too far, or is going too far, and people are scared to say something, then these problems develop. So I don't, you know, I'm going to look that up while we're, while we're talking here, and see what happened. But if he was let go because he was too harsh, then obviously he was going over the edge. And whether it was physical or emotional, I don't know with in terms of what he was doing. But you you, you have to understand your parameters as a coach. Right. I don't believe anything was physical, but it was. It just seemed odd to me, like half the players were. He had several former players that were um, disappointed that he was let go. So, you know, that's... And were there players that came out who said that they were happy he was let go as well? Not that I was aware of. You know, not that I remember or recall, but... Okay, well, uh, like I said, I don't know anything about the situation. I'll look it up here while uh, while we're talking during the break and see what I can find out, but... You know, if something like that happens, obviously, I've worked with with coaches. I've had several coaches who have worked with me who've been let go by their college teams for verbal abuse. One was accused of verbal and physical abuse, which he denied. He was a Division I basketball coach. He did say that verbally he berated his players and realized he went too far. But, you know, I think you have to understand, once again, you know, this whole situation with with the gymnastics thing with this Larry Nassar. You, it, it's about speaking up, and it's about communicating. And if you don't, if there is something going on you don't like, you need to speak up. Now, I always talk about the importance of a team meeting, setting parameters for the season, understanding everybody's role, and there have to be checks and balances for everybody on a team. So if somebody's going, you know, if the assistant coach sees the head coach going too far, they've got to say something. So I'll right. look that up, Mitchell, and see what I can find out. But thanks for your call, sir. Take care. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Let's see what Chris has to say. Chris, good morning. How are you? Hey, doing pretty good. Now, this I have is more in the private sector, uh, the actual workplace environment and stuff. And I ended up getting a little bit of a promotion to where I became a team leader. And I'm not quite yet a boss, but I'm on the same level as all the guys that are in my railroad field. And uh, we had these little team project kind of things that we have to meet weekly kind of thing. Well, whenever I became the team leader kind of guy, it was my bosses, they had a set parameter that they wanted met. You had to complete everything that week, et cetera. I had guys on my team that they didn't really want to partake, let's say, in this uh, type of workplace that we were being, that we were having to go geared towards, basically. Well, I was actually taking on more work instead of you know, basically delegating it out. Well, I basically found out just because of trial and error and just trying different things, I had guys on my team that were more of a regressor. They they did not want to partake. And then I had guys who, like you would say, they would focus down, bear down, do what they needed to do because they knew it was part of what they had to do kind of thing. And uh, I found out, though, with different guys, you basically have to almost treat them a little bit differently, even though you still have the same amount that they need to focus on. And uh, a couple of the guys have actually delegated things out and actually started working a little bit better with them. And uh, 
basically the whole entire gist of the story is, is with uh, you got different personalities and guys, you need guys to focus. So how do you get people to focus that don't want to partake in certain activities? Well, the job, the, the job of being a good leader, Chris, it, as I was saying earlier, the job of a good coach is being a good psychologist. You need to understand why they're there, what, they're, what they want. If you're working with a team of people, and, and it doesn't matter if it's sports or business, you need to get everybody on the same page. You need to get everybody to join in and work together. Now, some people may be more motivated than others, depending where they are in their life. They may have personal things going on. They may have all kinds of issues happening that affect their performance. But you've got to understand them. And then you've got to work with them to try to get them to buy in. Everybody isn't always going to buy in. Let's face it. it, it it's just the way life is. So yep. I think the key thing for you with this is getting to understand, getting everybody, you know, set the goals, get everybody to work together. You've got people that aren't interested in the goals. You've got to find out why they're not. And you, that's where your job as a motivator is to try to get them to understand why they need to buy in. Oh, absolutely. And that's the communication part of being a good leader. You know, years ago, my ex-wife's grandmother, and God love her, she's, she's been gone for quite a while, lovely woman, her name was Reva Marks. Reva told me something that has stayed in my head. She said, Andy, if you want somebody to really listen to you, talk softly. And you know what? I, I, I don't think there's been anything anybody's ever told me that's made as much sense as that. Yeah, she was right. If you want somebody to listen to you, Talk quietly and softly and slowly because then they're going to have to spend some time trying to pay attention. If you're loud and screaming and yelling, they're going to block you out. Yep. And that was a very, very intelligent thing she told me. And I think as a leader, you've got to understand how everybody is motivated, how everybody's turned on and turned off. So your job, Chris, if they're not buying in, you've got to sit down with them individually and ask them why and what it's going to take to get them to do it. Well, and uh, one other thing real quick how you were saying about coaches. I ended up having a coach my senior year in high school. I was playing baseball, and we ended up having a really, really close game. And right before I went into the batter's box, my coach called me off to the side. And this is something that, okay, you need to be focused in. You need to be highly focused on what you're doing. Coach ends up pulling me off to the side. And it's not, hey, you know, watch out. This kid's got a very good curveball. Or be right for that fastball. It was more of, Hey, what'd you ever do on that math test? How'd you score on that? It was just something that relaxed me down, and it was like, why the heck is Coach talking about math right now? And years later, I really realized why the heck he was saying that. Well, like so, I just said earlier, a good coach is a good psychologist, and that coach was yep. a good psychologist because he understood awesome. he was trying hey, to get you, you to relax. Thank you, sir. You take care of yourself. All right, let's go next to Pete. Pete, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, um... Recently, in a high school basketball game, uh, my son's team was down by two. He drew a foul uh, and got to shoot a one-on-one with about 13 seconds left to go in the game. During the game, I mean, he'd only taken two other shots, uh, foul shots, and he was he was two for two. He went to the line with confidence, you know, and I, I knew that his teammates, you know, knew he was going to the line with confidence, and they had confidence in him. He missed the front end, we, and I, I could almost see the blood just rush. You know, I could see the knees. I could see the body language, how bad it crushed him to miss that free throw. We drew the foul, took the foul quickly to send them to the line, and uh, the coach went, went ahead and sat him down on the bench. I, I was just wondering, I'm thinking the coach saw the same thing I did, just how he felt so crushed because he would, you know, he had been perfect from the line already. And maybe, I don't know if, I didn't know the right questions to ask my son after the game about how he was feeling. Well, I'm going to tell you, Pete, what I think you should have, what, well, let me ask you before I say anything. What did you say? Well, you know, I, I just said, I just put my hand on his shoulder. I said, I know, I know that's tough and that hurts, but just remember kind of how this feels, and maybe that makes you work a little harder at practice tomorrow. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong in that, but I think the thing you should say, that what I would suggest you say is put your arm around him and say, son, I want you to know I love you. And leave well, it at that. I, I, I did, well, I did kind of say that after. You know? Okay. You know, I said, I still love you. 
know? Well, you, you should love him. Who cares if he made it or missed it? Yeah, right? exactly. Right, and I think that's, the, to me, I don't care if it, look, it's a high school player. I don't care if he's third grade. I don't care if it's, you know, Russell Westbrook. You're, his, you're the parent that you just tell him you love him. And exactly. you, you know what? I, I like to tell my clients, ask this question, and, and the other day somebody actually got it right. What record did Kobe Bryant break? Two years ago. Do you know what that was, Pete? No, I don't have a clue. Most, most, most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Okay? Now, when you think of Kobe Bryant, you don't think of a guy who's he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a seven-time, 17-time All-Star. I mean, five-time right. world champion. He's missed more shots than anybody in, in history of basketball. Why? Well, he wasn't afraid to shoot, but he wasn't afraid to miss. It, it, your son, it, yeah, he w- didn't want to miss that foul shot. I, you know, back in the early 80s, I was KU sports psychologist. I worked with a basketball team in 1983-84 at Larry Brown's first year there. We led the Big 8 in free throw percentage. And Calvin Thompson, who's been on the show with me several times, will always have the Big 8 record for consecutive free throws. You know, I'd love to go back up there and work with them again because they could use some help with that. It's about breathing. It's about focus. But it's also about understanding that when you miss a shot, come back for the next one. You, you know, if you think too much, you get too tense and tight in your head, then everything else gets tense and tight. And, and, you know, I'm sorry your son missed that shot, but you're going to miss him. It's going to happen. I don't care who you are. You're going to miss, you, you know, no one is perfect. Oh, no. Oh, I understand that completely. I just, I thought, you know, maybe if I had just told him I didn't know if there was something else besides, you know, that's tough, blah, blah, blah. I thought maybe some words of, uh, a certain word of encouragement just to let him know that, you know, this is not the end of the world. So, Try to remember that when you go to the line. This well, is not the end of the world. Well, it's the, just a game. The best thing to do is that tell him you love him. If he wants to talk about it, fine. Otherwise, don't bring it up. Later on that night, after things have calmed down, say, son, I just, just want to know, you want to talk about what happened today? No, Dad, I want to talk about it. Okay. Well, I just want you to know I'm here for you. Don't put, you know, the more you try to say stuff about it, the more it the may more make. thinks about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just let it go. Just say, hey, you know, great effort today. Sorry, sorry you guys lost. Come back and get him next time. Let him come to you with it. Don't don't push it on him because sometimes what happens when you push it too much, you know, you care, you're emotional, you're into it, but he knows he missed a shot. He knows he's got to come back and make the next one. If he wants to talk about it, let him talk about it. Don't push it on him. That's the best advice I can give you. Well, thank you, Doc. Okay, good luck, and good luck to your son. Thanks for calling right. in. All right, let's see what Doug has to say. Doug, good morning, sir. How are you? And a good morning, doctor. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you over Christmas break and so many of us parents and old players we always seem to focus in on the X's and O's the technique of the game and my son was struggling with performance on the field and I just want to let you know that since he's been back, he has done a very nice, great job of pitching on the mound. And we spend so much, like I said, we spend so much time of technique, release of the pitch and things like this, that we do not focus in on the mental, the mental part of the game and he was able to come and see you and with the techniques that you taught him, he has done a wonderful job. And I think his outlook on playing has completely changed. So well, I well, well, thank you so much. Well, first of all, Doug, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I am, I, your son is the baseball pitcher back on the East coast, correct? Is that who? who that is, that okay. is correct. Okay. I, I very nice young man. And I enjoyed talking to him. I'm glad I was able to help him out. And the, the key thing we talked about was just relaxing, having fun, focus on the effort. I know he, he uh, downloaded my pitching CD to, to work on good. visualization, so that's helped him out quite a bit then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it has. And he talks about the breathing and focusing and getting into the, uh, I forgot the term that he used, but t- tunnel vision, tunneling in on something. And sometimes like what I believe you were talking to him about is that sometimes we're worried about, you know, making sure we do this and making sure we do that. And sometimes you got you work so hard at doing those certain techniques that we forget about what is the purpose that we're supposed to do is to throw that strike. 
and you really have readjusted his thinking. And and I think I spoke to you before. I would, I played football at K State when K State was not very. No, we were hideous. And well, that that we was were, the case for a long time. That isn't the case now. What, which is very much true. And and I'm going to get to part two of this, but we were able to turn things around because of a Zig Ziglar program, and then we talked about certain things of the mentality of the game. Today we have a Super Bowl, and and I think 99% of the country is in favor of the Eagles winning. But my thing is, I always go back, champions have a way of finding out a way of winning a game. KU, so I'm saying Patriots are going to win. I turn around and KU football outplayed K State football this last season, but K State found a way to win. KU's football basketball team is not the best talent they've had, but they find a way to win games because they are champions and the mentality part of the game. Yeah, and they're not going to win every game. They lost yesterday at home to Oklahoma State, Correct. a team most people thought they'd beat easily. It and that's look, I've said it for years. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. And the mindset, Doug, is what it comes down to. Listen, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for your call. I, I obviously I didn't put you up for this call, just so people know. No. Okay. No. And and I, I appreciate it. I'm glad your son's doing well and please give him my best. And as I told him, if he needs to give me a call, have him give me a call. I'd love to talk to him again. He, I really nice young man and I appreciate appreciate the, the compliments this morning. Absolutely. And just like, you know, I cannot recommend you enough to these people that somebody may be struggling, whether it's with their game or a bad part of their life, you were able to help him out. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, and give him my best, and and thank you. I shall. You have a good day. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call. We're talking about pressure, how you deal with it, how you handle it, how do you overcome it, or does it overcome you? 913-3810-810. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 10 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. If you're new to the show, I've been doing this show for 17 years, been on the radio now in Kansas City for 27 years, and our second month of our 27th year here. And, you know, I love doing this show because I, as a psychologist, my job is to help people. Can't help everybody. You have to help yourself to want the help, number one, and you have to want to help yourself. But we do this show to help you understand life as much as sport. And I want to thank our last caller, Doug. That was very, very nice of you, sir, to, to call in with those compliments. I appreciate that. But, you know, I when somebody comes to my office with whatever the issue, I, I obviously can't help everybody, and some people aren't going to agree with what I say. Hopefully most people will. But... I tell people what I think, and if somebody's screwing up, I'm going to tell you. If you're doing things well, I'm going to tell you. If, But we try to find ways to overcome anxiety, nervousness, and things like that. And being, as I said, to, being that today's the Super Bowl, we're talking about pressure today and how you handle pressure. As a coach, how do you handle pressure? As an athlete, how do you handle pressure? You know, our first caller called up about the Missouri softball coach, and I was looking during the break, as I said I would, and, and excuse me if I don't say his name like Aaron Earlywine, was fired Friday. Uh, the athletic director, Jim Sturck, said the university had lost confidence in his ability to foster a healthy environment for his players. And it says, sir, we do not take action of this magnitude without careful thought and consideration. Whoever we've lost confidence in his leadership to foster the type of healthy environment we expect for our student athletes. And as a result, believe it is in the program's best interest to make a change. And um, in 2016, there's an investigation of him amid accusations that players were verbally abused. So obviously something was going on there. 
and we're going to have to find out. I will look into this more. You know, this whole issue of taking advantage of athletes and the whole situation with USA Gymnastics and this Dr. Larry Nasser, this, I mean, a sex predator, a sick man, a sick, sick man, abused all these young girls. Now, that whole situation, which we talked about last week, and I'm going to be talking about on my podcast show. In fact, my next three podcast shows will be interviews with my uh, co-author, Pete Malone, one, Joan Ryan, who wrote a book called Little Girls in Pretty Boxes, second, and then I'll be interviewing a gymnastics coach who's had to deal with this stuff as well. You know, pressure, how do you deal with it? What is pressure? It's, it's, it's trying to use intimidation, trying to use force, trying to, to, you know, put too much on kids in sports. And I, I just think you have to look at this stuff. It's like I was saying to the dad who called in. You know, his son missed the free throw. You know, that's a bummer. You don't want to miss a free throw. You don't want to miss a putt. You don't want to double fault. You don't want to throw a wild pitch. It's going to happen. Just tell him you love him afterwards. That's all you have to do. That's all he needs to hear. He's going to be upset. He's going to be ticked off. You know, as a parent, you don't need to sit there and tell him why they missed it because they know why they missed it. It happens. But as a parent, I think that's the key thing you need to do. And I, and I, in our book, we talk about that a lot. In our book, Just Let Him Play, that I mentioned with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, my co-authors, we, we talk about that. You know, there, there's this pressure on kids today to have to be so good at so early of an age. I mean, I've been in practice for 37 years. I, I've, I'm getting eight and nine-year-olds in my office now in the summer because of pressure. There's no reason for them to be coming in and see me because because of that. I mean, well, there is because of what's going on, but eight and nine-year-olds, they don't need to be feeling pressure playing sports. They should just be having fun. Who cares if they screw up? Let's go play. There's enough pressure as you get older. But you know what? You have to learn to deal with it. You have to learn to handle it. And I think as a coach, you have to understand the athletes you're working with, you're talking to, you're dealing with. And you've got to understand what their motivations are. I said earlier, pressure is the use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. So do you have to intimidate yourself? As a coach, do you try to put pressure on your athletes to do things you think they can do, but they don't think they can do? That is the, in my opinion, the recipe for disaster. Because if you think they can do it and they don't think they can do it and you try to push them to do something they don't think they can do, and then they fail, it gets worse. I think it has to be a step-by-step thing that you build their confidence up with. When you build up an athlete's confidence, when you build up an individual's confidence, they will learn to deal with the pressure more. But if you try to put pressure on them to have to do something they haven't done yet and they fail, it can be disastrous emotionally. All right, our number here is 913-3810-810. We've had a number of great calls all early, so, or earlier in the show today. And now I want to get some more calls. No one's on the line now. I want to hear from you. How do you deal with pressure as a coach? What is pressure for you? How do you coach pressure? As an athlete, what is pressure for you when you are performing? Our number is 913-3810-810. When you're standing over that three-foot putt to come in first place, what are you thinking about? Well, if I make the putt, I win, or if I miss the putt, I lose. No. You need to be thinking it's a three-foot putt. It breaks a little bit right to left. Hit it on the top of the hole and let it fall in. You know, free throw shooting, there's obviously technique involved that I don't get involved in, but the mental part I do, and I've worked with free th- people shooting free throws forever. So much of free throw shooting is being relaxed and being focused and visualizing. Obviously, you have to get comfortable with your technique and your form and all that. But mentally, it's about being relaxed and focused on the shot. 
If you stand up there and think too much, you're going to get tight and tense, and you're going to miss the shot. If you have a routine, and I don't care if the game's on the line, if you make it, we tie, we go in overtime, if I miss it, we lose. No, I don't care if it's the middle of the the first half and you're up by six. doesn't matter. The score is irrelevant. It's about focusing on your technique and your form and visualizing the shot. I think that's the key thing. So what I'm getting at is when the pressure is on, what do you focus on? Do you focus on the result or do you focus on the execution and the effort? My whole thing when I work with athletes, and I've worked for years with people shooting free throws, hitting putts, serving tennis balls. I work with a college bowling team. It's, it's about focus, and it's about relaxation, and it's about not thinking. You know, the longer you stand at the free throw line and you start thinking and thinking and thinking, the tenser and tenser you're going to get, and the greater the chance to miss the shot. The longer you stand over that putt, the tighter you're going to get. You need to have a routine. Basically, and and with free throw shooting, I always tell people, get to the top of the key, get there for a second, visualize the shot going in, take a breath, step up the line, the ref bounces you the ball, bounce to your little thing, whatever, bounce it two, three times, whatever. Take a breath and shoot it. Don't stand there and think. The longer you stand and think, the pressure builds, the tighter you get physically, the tighter you get mentally, and the greater the chance to miss. 913-3810-810 is our number. Pressure is part of life. It happens, but it's how you react to it, respond to it, and deal with it. And like I said earlier, if you focus on effort and execution versus focusing on results, you have a better chance to succeed. Okay, 913-3810-810 is the number. Let's see what Brett has to say. Brett, good morning, sir. Thank you for calling in. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. I've been a coach and a leader for a long time of youth and kids. And so I have a lot of different thoughts um, that come to mind. When you talk about focusing on effort as opposed to results, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was to focus on what's important versus what's urgent. Because in I like that. life, in life you're so focused on what's in the moment, what's happening right now, that everything becomes really urgent and if you step back and you focus on what's important then it becomes a little bit more clear and then as a coach you you translate that onto a court or onto a field and you realize that I can yell and scream and you know you know basically joystick coach uh, my kids into whatever I want I think they should do in the moment but when I step back and think about it I, you know, I have to realize that they're not striking out on purpose. They're not missing shots on purpose. They're not turning the ball oh, come over on, on purpose. Oh, come on, Brett. Yes, they are. They want to do that to tick you off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, I mean, that, but the, excuse me. But, you know, I, I love what you're saying because here's the deal. I, I see this all the time, and, and I have these athletes that come in my office to tell me about their coaches screaming at them and yelling at them. And I'm sitting there thinking, what gets accomplished by that? Screaming because somebody screwed up, okay? You know, it's one thing if you're discipline, you know, disciplining an athlete because they're misbehaving. That, that, that's, we're not talking about that. But when somebody screws up in a, in a sporting event, okay, and they, they tried and they failed, you don't scream and yell at them. You pull them aside and say, hey, good effort. We're going to work on that in practice. We're going to get you to get better, right? Do you Next agree play. with that? Next play. On to the next play, on to the next, because there's so many deeper life lessons. You know, we talk, you talk about anxiety and why people have trouble putting themselves in situations where they might fail. It's because uh, somebody along the way has worked so hard to stop the first domino in their life from falling. And if you don't let the domino, the first domino fall, we can't teach how to keep the next domino from falling as a result. And, and then the next one and the next one, and, and then it snowballs out of control. And, and, and so when I talk with my kids, when I talk with whoever I'm working with, it's always about how do I that, – that first domino fell. Okay, how do we stop it from affecting the last domino? How yeah. do we stop it from, from affecting the next sequence of events? Because 
one bad situation turning into two is is uh, becomes a phenomenon that people have to live with, and then they have to learn. Then they learn to avoid it at all. How do I avoid even approaching that domino? I couldn't um, agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And you you you've got it, Brett. You you understand it. But it's amazing. And I want to thank you for calling in and, and sharing this because you've mentioned some great things here. But how many guys do you, men and women, do you see out there coaching that don't get it? Well, and and that's that's something that you you look at and 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 you hope that uh, you know when you talk about control of your life or control of your situation. You know, I you know I lead youth and I lead adult coaches, and and so one of my biggest missions is to try and help teach. Uh, patience, teach that resolve, and and teach the the important versus the urgent, and and I'm I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of great adults that uh, that are naturally talented at doing a lot of that, but there are there are times that it gets the best of all of us, and so how do you slow things down? Um, you know, I've got a six and a seven year old, um, you know, who are involved in youth sports, and so surrounding them with not necessarily the best, best X's and O's coaches, but the best people coaches, the ones that are going to, uh, that, that my kids want to go up and cut, hug, and love. At the That's end of what it's game. all about, Brett. That's what it's all about, my friend. You're doing the right thing, in my opinion, okay? It's not about winning and it's score. That doesn't mean anything. Six and seven years of age, that's, you know, I, I can't stand these people who have these sports leagues at six, five, four, five, six, and seven, and eight years of age. And they're trying to win a championship. It shouldn't matter. It's stupid. It's ha- go let them play and enjoy and learn and get better. Yep, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's fine if there's a championship trophy if you come in first place. Fine, but you know what? That should not be emphasized at all. It should be about the experience. And we got too many people who are too caught up in their own egos who get into coaching and and seven year olds who want to win a championship. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Your coach, your ego's based on a bunch of seven-year-olds coming in first place. You're screwed up if you're doing that. It should be about there teaching them to have a good time. Listen, Agreed. sir, I got to let you go. I got to get one more caller in here. Thank right. you so much for calling in. You're doing it the right way, in my opinion. Sir. Thanks so for having me. Thank you for calling in. All right, let's go next to Matt. Matt, how are you this morning, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Doc? Great, great. Get your thoughts. Um, I got a six-year-old stepson. Uh, me being a stepfather, I'm kind of stepping into the role of being the father. I have met his father, and my son, stepson does have a relationship with his father. But his father's not an athletic able, I guess we'd say. He didn't play many sports. But my stepson is infatuated with baseball. We watched the All-Star game, and I tried to teach him basic techniques. Um my question is, he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be perfect the first time. And this isn't me putting the pressure on him. It's him putting the pressure on himself. And I try to tell him, hey, buddy, you're learning. I just want you to love the game. That's all I care. Um, if you win, lose, it don't matter to me. You're, pre- you're doing what you love to do. You're having fun. But he wants to be perfect so badly. And I try to tell him, you don't need to be perfect for me. You just got to love the game. Perfection will come late, much later in life. You don't need to be perfect now. You just need to be who you are and play and have fun. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to get that across to him. If he does something wrong, you know, I tell him, okay, you know, it's okay. You're learning. But I want to be able to let him know that I still love him, whether or not he's an all-star or if he's the bad boy. If well, he's I having think, fun, that's what I care about. I think you're doing the right thing. The one thing I would say, the only thing I would say that you said in there I wouldn't agree with is perfection will come later in life. No, the perfection doesn't happen. Okay. Well, what I mean by that is like you're going to become better, not be perfect, but you're, right. you're going to get better in your abilities. I would em- want yeah. playing. I would emphasize having fun. I would mm-hmm. emphasize learning and growing, and I would mm-hmm. show him how professional athletes fail. Talk yeah. to him about that. Let them know everybody screws up, everybody makes mistakes, and no one, you know, no one gets it right all the time. And is that and that's emphasize. Exactly what I try to persuade him because his first love was bull riding. I'm like, hey, buddy, not every bull rider stays on. They all they all get bucked off sometime in the season. Bull riding. That's an interesting one. Okay, here here here's the thing. You know, it, it, it's difficult sometimes being a step parent. I mm-hmm. think you're doing. It sounds like you're doing saying the right things. But I just emphasize having fun with him, enjoying the experience. You know, in my office, I have a framed sign. 
when you walk in, if you look straight ahead, you see it. It says Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, I always emphasize to add, you know, George Brett, who I got to know back in 1990 when I was a Royals team psychologist and he won his third batting title, his career batting average was over 300. Well, guess what? Seven times out of 10, he failed. Yeah. You know, Michael Jordan's shooting percentage was 50%. He missed half his shots. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said earlier in the show, Kobe Bryant missed more shots than anybody in the history of the NBA. You know, the greatest mm-hmm. athletes fail all the time. And you've got to, you've got to let your son know that, that it's okay it's not the result, it's the effort. Focus yeah, on I, your effort. That's I tell him, I'm like, I tell him, buddy, I, I even fail sometimes. But guess what? I get back up, and I keep playing, I keep having fun. I would tell him you fail a lot, not just sometimes. I tell him you fail yeah, a lot, course. because yeah. we all do, and it's okay. And tell him it's okay. The third chapter in our book, I mean, I, not that I try to push my book on people, but Matt, you should probably get my book. It's called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Who Use Sports. Our third mm-hmm. chapter is entitled Embracing Failure Can Lead to yeah. So, so you might look at the book on my website or on Amazon. Anyway, listen, sir, thank you for your call. Good luck with thank your stepson. You. Focus on what you're doing, but focus on the fun, focus on the effort, and, and, and get him to enjoy what he's doing and not worry about results, and I think you'll get somewhere. All right. Thank you, Doctor. Okay, Have good luck, day. sir. You too. All right. This has been a fun show today. I, I, we've had tremendous calls. And look, the reason I do this show is because of that last call, or hopefully you gave Matt some, some helpful advice that can help his stepson enjoy what he's doing and not worry about being perfect. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs here every Sunday from 7 8 a.m. Our shows are podcasted here on the website, Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're also podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJ Sports Psych. The shows are podcasted there as well. Check out my website. Our shows for the past four years are on my website now. And I hope you enjoy what we talk about here. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can reach me at my office. That number is 816-561-5556. 816-561-5556. Send me an email at my office, drj at winnersunlimited.com. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. Be here next Sunday, as always, in the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810, WHP.